This is Carl Malamud for the Internet Multicasting Service. On Harper Audio today, we feature prize-winning poet Robert Frost reading, in the following order, Mending Wall, One More Brevity, Departmental, A Considerable Speck, and the ever-popular Why Wait for Science. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen groundswell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one stone on a stone, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. The gaps I mean, no one has seen them made or or heard them made, but at spring mending time we find them there. I let my neighbor know beyond the hill, and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go. To each the boulders that have fallen to each, and some are lows and some so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side. It comes to little more there where it is. We do not need the wall. He is all pine, and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones on these pines, I tell him. He only says good fences make good neighbors. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before I build a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there, bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand like an old stone savage armed. He moves in darkness, as it seems to me, not of woods only in the shade of trees. He will not go behind his father's saying, and he likes having thought of it so well, he says again, good fences make good neighbors. I opened the door, so my last look should be taken outside a house and book. Before I gave up seeing and slept, I said I would see how Sirius kept his watchdog eye on what remained to be gone into if not explained. But scarcely was my door ajar when past the leg I thrust for bar, slipped in to be my problem guest, not a heavenly dog made manifest, but an earthly dog of the carriage breed, who, having failed of the modern speed, now asked asylum, and I was stirred to be the one so dog preferred. He dumped himself like a bag of bones. He sighed himself a couple of groans, and head to tail then firmly curled like swearing off on the traffic world. I set him water... I set him food. He rolled an eye with gratitude, or merely manners it may have been, but never so much as lifted chin. His hard 
tail loudly smacked the floor as if beseeching me, please, no more, I can't explain, tonight at least. His brow was perceptibly trouble-creased, so I spoke in tones of adoption thus, just the old boy, Dalmatian Gus. You're right, there's nothing to discuss. Don't try to tell me what's on your mind, the sorrow of having been left behind or the sorrow of having run away. All that can wait for the light of day. Meanwhile, feel obligation-free. Nobody has to confide in me. Twas too one-sided a dialogue, and I wasn't sure I was talking dog. I broke off, baffled, but all the same, in fancy, I ratified his name, Gusty, Dalmatian Gus, that is, and started shaping my life to his finding him his right supplies and sharing his miles of exercise. Next morning, the minute I was about, he was at the door to be let out, as much as to say, I have paid my call. You mustn't feel hurt if now I'm all for getting back somewhere or further on. I opened the door and he was gone. I was to taste in little the grief that comes of dogs' lives being so brief, only a fraction of ours at most. He might have been the dream of a ghost, in spite of the way his tail had smacked my floor so hard and matter-of-fact. And things have been going so strangely since, I wouldn't be too hard to convince I might even claim he was serious. Think of presuming to call him Gus, the star itself, heaven's greatest star, not a meteorite, but an avatar who had made this overnight descent to show by deeds he didn't resent my having depended on him so long and yet done nothing about it in song. A symbol was all he could hope to convey, an intimation, a shot of ray, a meaning I was supposed to seek and finding not necessarily speak. An ant on the tablecloth ran into a dormant moth of many times his size. He showed not the least surprise. His business wasn't with such. He gave it scarcely a touch and was off on his duty run. But if he encountered one of the hive's inquiry squad whose work is to find out God and the nature of time and space, he would put him on to the case. Answer a curious race, one crossing with hurried tread the body of one of their dead. Isn't given a moment's arrest, seems not even impressed. But he no doubt reports to any with whom he crosses antennae, and they no doubt report to the higher up at court. Then word goes forth in formic, deaths come to Jerry McCormick, a selfless forager Jerry. Will the special janissary, whose office it is to bury, the dead of the commissary, go bring him home to his people, lay him in state on a sepal, wrap him for shroud in a petal, embalm him with ichor of nettle? This is the word of your queen. And presently on the scene appears a solemn mortician, and taking formal position with feelers calmly a-twiddle, seizes the dead by the middle, and heaving him high in air carries him out of there. No one stands round to stare. It is nobody else's affair. It couldn't be called ungentle, but a thoroughly departmental.
a speck that would have been beneath my sight on any but a paper sheet so white set off across what I had written there, and I had idly poised my pen in air to stop it with a period of ink when something strange about it made me think. This was no dust speck by my breathing blown, but unmistakably a living mite with inclinations it could call its own. It paused as with suspicion of my pen, and then came racing wildly on again to where my manuscript was not yet dry, then paused again, and either drank or smelt with loathing, for again it turned to fly, plainly with an intelligence I doubt. It seemed too tiny to have room for feet, yet must have had a set of them complete to express how much it didn't want to die. It ran with terror and with cunning crept. It faltered. I could see it hesitate. Then in the middle of the open sheet, car down in desperation to accept whatever I accorded it of fate. I have none of the tenderer-than-thou collectivistic regimenting love with which the modern world is being swept. But this bore a microscopic item now. Since it was nothing I knew evil of, I let it lie there till I hope it slept. I have a mind myself and recognize mind when I meet with it in any guise. No one can know how glad I am to find on any sheet the least display of mind. Sarcastic science, she would like to know in her complacent ministry of fear how we propose to get away from here when she has made things so we have to go or be wiped out. Will she be asked to show us how by rocket we may hope to steer to some star off there, say a half-light year through temperature of absolute zero? Why wait for science to supply the how when any amateur can tell it now the way to go away should be the same as 50 billion years ago we came, if anyone remembers how that was. I have a theory, but it hardly does. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of Harper Collins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. 